Jump into the leadership game. Rise to the challenge and apply to become a DKM first-timer or a J.P. Morgan Chase Fellow. This is an exciting experience that will take your leadership skills to a new level. You'll learn from ACB passionate leaders and mentors. You continue your leadership journey. Don't delay. Apply today. For more information, please visit https slash slash www.acb.org slash 2023 first timers or contact Kenneth Simeon Sr. at simeon.k at outlook.com. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McKellen. The Herald News reports that John Oliveira didn't let being visually impaired keep him from fulfilling his American dream and living independently. Now John's helping others do the same. He has a new role as the Massachusetts Commission for the Blind's appointed commissioner. John's here to tell us all about his accomplishments and how he is speaking out. Welcome to the show. Hey, good uh, afternoon, and uh, thanks for inviting me to be on the show. Hey, glad you're here. How did you become legally blind at birth? Well, I was uh, I was born uh, in the island of Azores, which is near Portugal. Uh, the islands of Azores, a Saint Michael Island, and I was uh, born. Um, I was blind, uh, had light and shadow perception, uh, uh, light perception and shadows, and, uh, you know, basically uh, navigated around uh, as a child. And uh, uh, my parents moved to the U.S., and then I went to U.S. schools and uh, started my journey there. How did you not let your visual impairment keep you from being independent and fulfilling that American dream you wanted? Well, uh, growing up, uh, I was always able to do a lot of things uh, independently and uh, with a proper training, obviously, uh, through school, uh, orientation, mobility instructor, and uh, uh, adaptive games, and uh, uh, I convinced my friends to play these these adapted games with me, or we adapted games so that I could participate with them as I grew up um, through uh, going through uh, public schools, um, and then um, moved on into middle school, uh, became more familiar with more adaptive uh, techniques, and um, obviously I, I was taught Braille in, in, in school uh, when I was in... Uh, first grade so that uh, that worked its way through and i used braille going through um all of my schooling um and uh did all the usual coursework and in, uh, in high school to get you to uh to college uh, the algebra the geometry the uh, trigonometry all those uh courses that one would take to uh, to be uh uh, to enter our university. Uh, I was accepted at several universities, um, BU, uh, at BC was one of them, um, Curry College was another one, 
uh, here in Massachusetts. Emerson was another one. Um, so uh, I chose Boston College and started my college career uh, there and uh, moved on uh, as uh, uh, living at school, living in dorms, um, you know, moving away from home. Uh, obviously, I, I received some training at the local rehabilitation center several weeks before I entered college and then uh, moved into my college dorm my freshman year. What sort of adaptive games did you play growing up? What are we thinking of here? Oh, like uh, my my sighted friends, we were going to play baseball. They would uh, bounce the ball once on the on the ground, and and I, I would be able to, I would hear it bounce, and I would swing the bat, and many times I'd hit the ball <laughs> and run to a base while they chased it down. So we adapted games. Uh, you know, we played the regular kids' games. Um, you know, checkers, and uh, I, I had a, a chess board that was ad uh, adapted. We played chess, um, but we played a lot of the uh, games. Uh, uh, Monopoly was one of them, uh, a variety of different games such as those. Now, I understand you originally wanted to get into radio, but that yeah, didn't actually, work out, and you went into vocational rehabilitation somebody told you that you should go into vocational rehabilitation yeah actually um when i uh was in high school i got my first radio job at a, a local radio station they hired me the local station manager had had a, a college roommate that was blind and when i uh my high school principal actually knew him and we introduced me to him and he's uh we started talking about what we wanted to do and he he brought me into uh the uh, station and uh, during the summer i was doing some commercial copywriting um and they taught me the ins and outs of uh, what they were looking for and i would uh, i would write the copy um and uh the talent would read the uh uh, it was reviewed by other people and they would make any changes if they wanted to and then um and uh, then it would be given to the talent to record uh the sales people when they made a sale they would come in they would talk to me about the business tell me uh, about a restaurant or talk to me about their menu and then i would come up with little little uh slogans or, or a, a commercial copy that reflected a lot of what they said and how delicious it was and mm. how how uh you know fast the service was and that, that sort of thing um and then what, yeah, restaurants, what restaurants did you write commercials for oh god that's a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> they're all local mom and pops one I, I that i do remember that i wrote a commercial for uh was a a a uh, equipment rental um place uh they rented all kinds of um, equipment that you could use at home to do home projects, uh, electric oh, saws yeah. and uh, and uh, different drills and things like that. And I think that the place was called uh, called something like Precision Sawmills. And so the slogan uh, the slogan I came up uh, uh, with for them, and it ran they ran this commercial for like four or five years. Uh, something like uh, at the end, it would be like make the make the right decision with precision, and uh, and then you repeat the name of the business again. 
so yeah, so I did that for a bit, and then and so I went to to Boston College, and I, I majored in communications, and I, I worked at the college radio station for for four years. Um, you know, had the radio show on that. Um, worked at various uh, other local stations during the summertime. Uh, worked as a talk show producer at, at a local mm-hmm. station, and I, I did a a, a, a bit of uh, down at the uh, WBZ in Boston, but it was in the programming department. That's news radio a lot 1030, of the, right? Now the w, yeah, you got it. Um, uh, did a bit of that for uh, for uh, a bunch of months, uh, working behind the scenes on the radio programming unit um and uh sort of developing uh one of the jobs there too was was taking a uh, copy that came in or um copy that came in through the mail um f- to run public service announcements uh and we would give them like little 10 second blurbs and and one of one of the jobs i did there was to do that but also i worked on on planning some of the uh one of the the um shows that was on it was called 60 to 6 actually and i was uh, working on getting uh getting uh, different uh guests to appear on that i was working with one of the producers and, and following their directions obviously and i did some work for the uh, they used to have a a uh holiday campaign to raise money for children's hospital and there were many different um community events planned that the station would appear at uh, their personalities or their van um, I did a lot of work uh, setting up those behind the scenes, uh, making those arrangements, and um, <laughs> I right. did a, I did some work at a at a talk station. I had my own, uh, I had a, a good variety of uh, of uh, stations that I, I bounced around with. I did um, I read lunch menus at a at a station uh, just outside of Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the kids were having uh, in oh, yeah. school that morning, different towns, different school systems. You could, you'd say what, what they were having for lunch. Um, I, I did uh, some uh, production behind the scenes, putting on some, some racing results, uh, horse racing results from a, a, a local track that used to be open. It's long since closed. Um, so I did a variety of different, uh, different things uh, in the radio field. But when I was a senior, um, and after the, the BZ uh, stint was coming to a, a close, I, I, uh, I uh, was looking around, sending resumes out. And I had, I had uh, worked for, uh, at Boston College, they, they had a program that um, trained teachers of the visually impaired, rehabilitation teachers, and orientation and mobility instructors. And one of the courses in that program was a Braille course. So the teacher who uh, I had, um, they did different, um, types of, uh, they were looking for different volunteers to, uh, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, projects I was involved with, it was to, uh, to, uh, test different, um, the strips at the edge of the train tracks that, uh, that, that there was a, a professor working on that. They, they get these different grants and, and sometimes they'd call on folks who are blind or, or legally blind to come and do some projects with them so I, i'd been involved in that department and then the t, uh the professor in that department asked me if i would uh, help her grade some of the the papers that the students were uh, in the braille course were doing so she gave me a little stipend i said of course every college student needs money so uh, my junior senior year I, I would she would call me i would go pick up the stack of uh 
assignments and uh, review them and uh, mark up the, the ones that were wrong, then give them back to her. And then she could uh, grade them and, and, and do it much quicker than uh, she was cited. And she would have to read it visually. And um, so she wanted to, uh, didn't want to spend all the time doing that. So therefore, she would just look where I'd marked it up and then she would double check and then she would grade the papers and, and give them back. And then as, as it came to, to uh, my, the end of my senior year, um, Dr. Richard Jackson, uh, uh, we talked and he said, look, we get this nice program here. If you don't have a commitment for a job yet, uh, try it out. And uh, so um, this was in May and the program started in July. So I graduated in May and was back in school in July. Uh, I said, why not, why not? Let's try it out. And I still kept doing little radio um, jobs here and there, but uh, focused on on the, getting the master's degree in uh, rehabilitation teaching. And then um, once that, I did an internship, uh, did a practicum, and then um, I sent out uh, a couple of resumes. Um, one was to the uh, to the agency, the Massachusetts Commission for the Blind, and they called me, and I was uh, retained as a uh, as a rehabilitation teacher, and started the uh, rehabilitation career at that point. And you got to the Massachusetts Commission for the Blind. Um, how did you work your way up? to become its commissioner? Well, um, obviously, um, you you work hard, you learn about what you're doing, and you. Um, it was not a matter of, uh, of working, uh, of having a goal that I was going to be the commissioner one day. That was not the goal. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the rehabilitation teacher was supposed to be just a, a job for a couple of years, and and I I looked in other areas, but you know I, I I was enjoying it, and I enjoyed working with the consumers, with the the seniors and the, the vocational folks. I did I did some training at work sites. I helped people um, use Vocalize back at the time uh, to access the screen. Um, I took I, I went down to Mississippi State and took some courses on, on adaptive technology um, that the agency wanted me to go to. So, um, you know, after several years, uh, you know, I, I was sort of moving along and uh, I got a call from one of our regions and they said, you know, um, you really, uh, we, we've heard a lot, a lot of the work you're doing at the agency. Um, we have a vocational opportunity. Uh, we've done you've done a lot of good good work with folks who are interested in vocational work. As far as teaching them, uh, would you consider being a counselor? And so I, um, at that point, said, "Well, I've been doing this for four years. Let me let me take a different a, a different angle here at the uh, within the agency." And so from that, it, it did that for another four years and uh, did a lot of good work with consumers. Helped a lot of folks. Uh, achieve their vocational objectives, um, obtain employment, obtain uh, educational goals. And then there was an opportunity to work in our uh, staff development unit. And so I moved over to that, where I, then I primarily was working with, with the staff of the agency um, and developing uh, training programs for them, 
um, uh, about different eye diseases and, and different training techniques and, and different uh, vocational strategies, uh, developing all those sort of trainings with uh, using consultants. And then we, um, you know, the opportunity that the director moved on to something else and they appointed me director of staff development, had a couple of people working in the unit. Uh, we, we did a lot of different uh, upgrading of our counselors to, to obtain master's degrees um, at the, the, the profession they were in. Um, and then there was another opportunity to be the director of the assistive technology unit. Now, that's also something that had always been interesting to me. So I moved on and uh, took the, that director's job at the agency. Um, and then uh, we did that for, for a bit, maybe about another five years or so. And then uh, I uh, was promoted to uh, director of employment services where I over, uh, over uh, supervised several programs. Uh, didn't directly manage anymore, but had some managers working for me. And one of them was the assistive technology unit. The other one was the Randolph Shepard program. Um, so and we had some staff working in that program. And uh, another part of my duties was to develop uh, a case management system for the agency. And so um, did that and we got that deployed. And then I was uh, offered uh, uh, to be an uh, assistant commissioner uh, and sort of oversaw all of the regions, all of the programs in the agency. Um, and then uh, another commissioner came in and uh, I got a couple of job offers to move to around the country to different programs. Um, uh, some folks had reached out to me. Uh, I did have an opportunity to move to, to DC, but you know, Massachusetts is a great place and I chose to stay in, in, the, in the Commonwealth. Um, then I was uh, promoted to deputy commissioner at the agency and served in that role for about 10 years. Um, and then the opportunity for a commissioner's job opened up and I was asked to serve as acting uh, commissioner um, uh, by the secretary of human services here. And, and then uh, they asked me to continue in and appointed me the governor uh, appointed me the commissioner uh, back uh, last year. I've taken uh, the opportunity to learn um, uh, not only the different jobs at the agency, uh, but also to, to work, learn about the community, work with the community, participate in the community. Um, I'm obviously blind, um, so I've participated with uh, been members of, of the uh, the consumer groups um, and. Um, you know, I've gotten a lot of feedback over the years from from many of the individuals uh, in the consumer groups. And, you know, in, in my opinion, the agency is there to serve people who are in our state blind and legally blind and in some VR cases visually impaired. Uh, we are here to to provide you with the services that you need to help you achieve your goals. And um MCB is, is a real special agency because we serve everybody um, in all age ranges um, that is legally blind. So we have a children's services unit, 
we have a, a unit that works with uh, vocational rehab. Wait a second, the, children's services unit? Yes, sir. And this is just this is exactly for kids. Exactly for kids. We have children's workers specifically that work with parents uh, from the, the age of birth through thirteen, and then we have our vocational staff that works with consumers fourteen until the age, and we start serving them at fourteen. Many states don't serve them until they're sixteen, but we uh, we transition them from our children's unit right into our vocational unit. And uh, we offer them the pre-employment transition services. We pay for college. Uh, we have a college support tuition. We offer books and supplies, readers, uh, assistive technology um, to help you uh, in your in your college goals. And then we uh, help you. We have an employment services unit that assists you in in uh, in uh, job preparation, uh, helping you with the resume. We have an internship program that we've had now for about 21 years. Uh, and uh, we place, before the pandemic, we were get, placing about 80 to 85 interns every summer. Uh, now we're back to about 70 interns, but we're, we're coming back and we'll hit those numbers again. Um, so, and we continue on with uh, services and, and, and rehabilitation. We, we, we send people to where they they choose to go. We've had people go to NFB centers. We've had people go to our local Carroll Center for the Blind. Um, and we, we offer, we send them to Lions World Services. If they're one of the programs down there, we'll serve them. And, uh, our goal is to get those folks who are interested in, in achieving employment, uh, employment. And, uh, we, we assist in, in, in many, many ways. Um, we also serve seniors. So we have clients that, uh, 99 and 100 years old, our rehab teachers are still going out to see them, our social workers, and making sure that they are still able to be um, in their home. And even when if they go to assisted living or nursing home facilities, we can also go in and, and visit them and, and, and bring some devices or offer some training to the staff to work with them with someone who's blind a little bit better. We also have a deaf, blind and extended supports unit. Uh, again, work with deafblind consumers and consumers who are blind and have developmental delays. And then we have the Randolph Shepherd vending program that we we work with um, vendors who are blind. The program has been decimated by the pandemic because the buildings that most of the programs uh, of the stands were in have have very few people in them anymore. And so those those folks have taken a tremendous loss as far as um revenue that they use to produce in in their business so um and we also have the older independent blind program uh, again another a federally funded program that helps students 55 and uh, consumers 55 and older um, and we have a bunch of uh, different support groups we uh we offer um you know we we do our best to try to to get everyone uh the services that they need if our listeners want to become the next John Oliveira, what should they do? What should they do? Well, um, you know, it, it's work hard, um, be dedicated to your field, um, and, and just uh, look towards opportunities where you're working or around the country. Uh, you don't have to always stay at one agency. I did probably was lucky to do that, but uh, a lot of folks uh, 
may need to move around. I did my internship in Albany, New York. Um, so uh, you, uh, like I said, I did get offers at other places throughout my career, but always chose to stay put where I was. Um, so um, it's just focus on a career, whether it's rehab or something else, just make sure that you like it. And, and if you, and even if you like it for a short period of time, um, today, most folks don't stay long-term with an employer. They don't do a career for 30 years. So even if it's something that you might like for five years, six years, seven years, uh, and then prepare yourself for the next step, uh, either career change or promotion in that career or uh, a different, uh, doing a different job in that, in that career path that you started. Um, but be, and, and be flexible and always work, uh, with your colleagues, um, and do the best you can to get along with your colleagues and, and share information and learn from them and teach them. And I think if you do that, uh, you will become the best that you can be at whatever career you're looking to do, uh, to get involved with or, or to do. And that will lead to professional and yes, personal friendships too. John, um, thanks for does, speaking yeah. out and joining us today. And we wish you continued success in life. All right. Thank you very much. You have a great day. Before we go, listeners, evening. I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website. That's speakingoutoftheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. And my show archive is at speaking-out-for-blind.pinecast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. You are listening to ACB Media One, also known as Mainstream, the flagship of the ACB Media Network. The ACB Media Network is a service of the American Council of the Blind. Please visit us at acbradio.org.